I've just about had enough of you. I think you'll be able to respect a husband who's probably pulled the scientific boner of all time. In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Irony, one of the funniest forms of humor. I have made a woman. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. Think all is never wrong. Never wrong. Hello. And welcome to 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt Brown. Hello. Stephen Murray. Hello. And a welcome return for our Doctor Who expert, Nick Crosby. Hello, Nick. Hello. Hello. Nice to be back. Thank you. I don't know about expert. Again, using that's, that's some heavy lifting going on there with the term <laughs> expert, I have to say. I mean, I'm amazed that, you, uh, that you're back, really, given, given what happened in episode 44. <laughs> I don't, I, it does feel weird, actually, saying that they're shit. Guilt. That's it, what it is. It is strange, isn't it? Because I went into this thinking that they're not shit, but actually... Yeah. They kind of do remain shit for a long time. I mean, this is... I'm surprised that these words are even coming out of my mouth. We're saying that the Daleks in this in this in ep- these episodes are shit robots. I'm still going through therapy for it, though. <laughs> In fact, if you haven't listened to episode 44, then then it might be worth having a listen before listening to this, because we're going to be covering some similar ground, because we've come to 1965 and the film Doctor Who and the Daleks. That's what we're going to be chatting about in this episode, which bears some striking similarities to the series The Dead Planet that we chatted about uh, 11 episodes ago. So the... We have looked at the Daleks before, their first iteration on television in episode 44, and we came to the conclusion that, and it's a we, it's we came to the conclusion that the Daleks in that iteration were shit, and moreover, most of Doctor Who was also a bit shit. I would would like to say that on two occasions during that recording, I did say that they were iconic. Well, anyway, we are now... At the uh, next time in our in our timeline that we meet the Daleks, and it is quite a surprising meeting, uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks, which and, it, and effectively it's the exact same storyline as the as the the, 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 the is it a seven episode cycle that we've already watched. Yeah, I've read quite a I've read some reviews and I've watched some reviews on, and a lot of people are basically saying that they've cut out all the boring stuff from the TV program and concentrated it in a vibrant colour yeah. into this film. <laughs> Thrown a load of paint at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, this film, Doctor Who and the Daleks, is from 1965, British science fiction film, uh, directed by Gordon Fleming and written, it says, by Milton Sabotsky. But is it, Milton Sabotsky wasn't involved in the writing of the TV series, was he? No, he wasn't. He wasn't at all. Milton Sabotsky and um, Max Rosenberg, they bought the rights to this because they were part of Amicus, which was a big rival to Hammer. Uh, and they always kept an eye on what Hammer were doing. And during the summer months, Hammer would release lots of kids' films, like uh, pirate films. Uh, and so they they realised just how popular... Doctor Who and the Daleks were on TV, so they bought the rights to it for for two, three films, two of which they made, uh, and then the first one was a big success. The second one, which is better than the first one, was not so much so, and the third one never got made. Okay, 
It only cost them £500 for the rights, though, which is surprising, isn't it? Not very much. Equivalent to £8,000 today, Matt, before you ask. Oh, you're (laughs) putting him out of a job. (laughs) So is this, this, I still can't quite wrap my mind around this, that the BBC made made Doctor Who, but Terry Nation owns the rights to the Daleks? To the Daleks. Now, because of what was um, on the screen in the film credits everybody thinks from that point on that terry nation wrote doctor who he didn't he basically just he wrote the he wrote the dalek episode uh, he didn't, didn't he? he didn't create doctor who did he no. create doctor who no he didn't no no he didn't. who created doctor who stephen <laughs> <laughs> Do you know i don't know i don't know either who created who who created whom hmm, quite oh. doctor whom <laughs> I mean, that's what they should have called this. Should be Doctor Whom to, to get around the copyright issues. And what... uh, Sid- Sidney Newman is the guy who championed the idea of science fiction show uh, to fit this gap on a Saturday tea time. Uh, he also recruited Verity Lambert as producer and was firm that Doctor Who should not resemble previous BBC dramas. So, s- would you believe I've never heard of Sidney Newman? But that, for me, that's not proof that he came up with Doctor Who, though, is it? That's like a commissioner just saying we want a sci-fi show in this slot. Yeah, it's circumstantial at best, Stephen, I'm afraid. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Verity Lambert, right. of course, went on to the dizzying heights of creating El Dorado. <laughs> Did she? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is good. All there right. Go. Definitive. Here anyway. we go. Go on. Created by Sidney Newman, C.E. Webber and Donald Wilson. Okay. Mm. I'm not going to go any further than that. No, okay. That's good. That's very good. So Amicus bought the rights f- to the Daleks. Well, to, No, they to... bought the rights to film those particular episodes. They were all episodes from TV. So the BBC gave them the rights to, to do this then? Yeah. Hmm, that's what, it feels so weird now, doesn't it? That would never happen now, would it? There'd, there'd never be a a Doctor Who movie that wasn't made by the BBC. Mm. There was going to be a one with Tom Baker in it called Splinter Man, which never got made. So the plot of the movie is, like we said, the, the same as the plot of the TV show that we've already uh, talked about. But essentially, Doctor Who takes some people, <laughs> some now different people, on a, like a test flight of the TARDIS. They end up on a, a strange planet where the Daleks live and the Daleks are in conflict with the Thals, who are sort of a, a kind of like a race of humanoid aliens. Um, Thals good, Daleks bad. Basically, the Daleks want to nuke everybody, don't they? Yeah. They're not in conflict with them anymore. They were. Mm. The Thals seem to have survived by using drugs. They're referred to in in the clip uh, for the film as blonde giants, the Thals. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. So, I mean... This sort of reminds me right from the beginning of um, the out of the the non-Bond Bond film, you know, in the in the it's got like it's got lots of the same elements as the TV show, but crucially, they obviously haven't got the rights to the music, or don't, or maybe they don't want to use the music. 
but the 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 you sort of think that the Doctor Who theme is I mean it's just iconic. I mean it yeah. really is like it is brilliant. It's it is it's superb, isn't it? Yeah. Um and and the the title music to this film is sort of jaunty sci-fi lounge. Yeah, it's well, very sixties, isn't it? I thought of it as yeah. sleazy Soho. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's got a very sleazy Soho kind of feel to it. Even the TARDIS doesn't have its iconic. Indeed, so. and it's not called the TARDIS either, is it? It's just no, called TARDIS, TARDIS, which is interesting. Well, I say it's it... interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that word's doing a lot of heavy lifting. I think we should. I think we should talk about why this Doctor Who is not canon. So it isn't canon, is it? According to the geeks, this this Doctor. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah I mean, because I'm, I'm a geek. Our audience, isn't it? According to according to my my people, yeah. The, this this Doctor portrayed by Peter Cushion is not canon because he's human. He has a he has an Earthbound family, obviously, because he's got grand two two granddaughters yeah um and he cre- he created the tardis whereas the doctor eventually becomes a time lord an alien and he stole the tardis so so i suppose that's fair then that it's not canon isn't it because it's a completely different mm. Mm. story however isn't in the tv show he is earthbound with earthbound an earthbound granddaughter isn't he yeah, he's, they don't mention the fact that he's an alien because he's not. He's not. William Hartnell is human again, but later on that whole thing comes in. So I don't really know what they're moaning about. Yeah. It's not mentioned, really, is it? It's not. He's just. He's got a granddaughter, so everybody just naturally assumes that he's. Uh, you know, he's earthbound. Yeah, I didn't know that about Hartnell. Actually, I, I didn't realise that he wasn't supposed to be an alien too. Well, it's not. It's left open. It's he's yeah. he's yeah. Know, I, it's I not spoken so. about, which is why they could, felt they could jemmy in the uh, the Gallifrey alien stolen TARDIS. Yeah, because yeah. it feels like um, the story is that he is a, a, a human. Yeah, in, in that yeah. you know what I mean, and he's just a brilliant inventor, and yeah. you know, and he then goes off on his travels. In I suppose yeah, in well, a way, where like in um, comics books, where they, they've got so many. So many yeah. editions and episodes that they sort of you have to sort of like reach back and tweak stuff, don't you? And and take a a phrase here and weave a story out of it over there, sort of thing. Well, we have the multiverse now, don't we? Yeah, but Doctor Who canon does change over the years, doesn't it? Quite quite markedly, actually. As do you know, if you look at the entire story of the Daleks over over the, over the decades, that that changes as well in terms of who invented them and created them and so on and so forth. The whole thing is. Uh, it's, it's, it's fluid, isn't it? Yeah. It's Dalek fluid. Dalek <laughs> fluid. <laughs> and I'm, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. We have to be, really, yeah, don't we? Do. we? I what think choice we, do we have? No, yeah. we don't. And also, and you it... sort of think he, I mean, I suppose at this point, maybe they didn't realize one of the things, obviously, about Doctor Who is that he changes yeah. and becomes, has a different sort of skin, as it were. But I, I presume at this point, they didn't know that about the character. No, they didn't. It was a it was an educational program to begin with, so Doctor Who would 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 take uh, whoever he had with him to various different places, and it would be educational. It, you know, they'd talk about uh, um, cavemen and Rome and ancient Greece. And really? It, yes. Is that, that why some of the early episodes are really boring? The some of the really uh, the very early episodes are dull. Yeah, really yeah. Bo- boring. 
Yeah. It's a bit, a bit like the Open University, isn't it? On yes, like, it was like kids. that, yeah. yeah. That was the idea, wasn't it? But the idea of regeneration was probably not in their heads when this film was made because William Hartnell, I'm assuming, in 65 was still the Doctor. He was furious that he never got to play the part, but he um, he he was playing the Doctor. And also Peter Cushion turned down that part as well, which he, he turned, said he turned down the part of Doctor Who. In the TV series. In the TV series. Yeah. In hindsight, he says he wished he'd done it. I mean, one of the things that we we talked about in uh, in the episode where, of, of William Hartnell's Doctor was how sort of unlikable William Hartnell w- mm. was in the, in in those episodes. But actually, I mean, Peter Cushing is just a, a just a genial, twinkly eyed sort of grand granddad, isn't he? He's brilliant. The Terry Nation wasn't happy with that. Actually, mm. he said that he was far too kindly and gentle were his exact words. Right, and he preferred Hartnell's portrayal. But apparently, Peter Cushing was actually an absolute gentleman. Um, people loved working with him. Um, he, he was just great to work with. Apparently, it felt. I can't remember if if the William Hartnell Doctor was like this, but it felt like Peter Cushing's Doctor was very much a hostage to fortune. Mm. Um, and I, I can't. I couldn't quite remember whether whether that is in in the TV show as well. But but very unlike the sort of doctors then that came after them that that were all had f- fabulous ideas about how to solve everything. And it was almost like there were some points where he didn't know what to do. Mm, yes, it did come across like that. I thought exactly the same, actually. The Doctors in the TV series, they just know everything, don't they? They've got a really, really good understanding of space and time and the universe and so on, and making yeah. sonic screwdrivers and so on, whereas Peter Cushing was just kind of... He was winging it, wasn't he, really? Yeah. And there was a bit as well when... So there's a scene where um, the Thal... Uh, this is before we've met the Thal. They leave some radiation drugs outside the TARDIS. It looks like some sort of drug. I wonder what it is. I shall make some tests on these when we get home. Yes, now they have to put those inside for me, will you, Susan, dear? Thanks. So he seems so uncurious, incurious, uncurious about who is who's left these drugs and what they're for. He just sort of says, oh, I'll examine, I'll examine those yes. later <laughs> after we've been to the mysterious city. And I thought, again, it was just like, it felt quite out of character. Yeah, it is a different character, though, isn't it? Very much so. Even to the same, yeah, you know, Ian's calling him Doctor Who. Yes, yeah. that irritated me enormously. Yes, yes. Who, like, who is his surname, sort of thing? Yes, quite. And the other thing I thought I thought was uh, that irritated me was the fact there was a rocking chair in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> very Valdunican. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was very Valdunican. I, I literally I watched the film, and then I went back to the TV series. And and the TV series is is like Harold Pinter in comparison. Yeah, you don't have you know the stupid comedy elements, the family elements, and you go back and all of all of a sudden, I know it's a slog to get through, but I was watching it and I thought, no, this has got this has got gravitas compared to the film. Yeah, I think I'd say that it definitely does. I think yeah. that there's a lot to be said though for I mean, so Roy Castle is in um, is in the film Doctor Who and the Daleks playing. Uh, Ian, is that his name? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he and, and there's an awful lot of uh, falling over, of set sort of funny set pieces that he does, which I thought actually be, worked really well. Not least because it's I think it's easy to forget that that this is a children's program, right? Yeah, yeah. And so this is a children's film, and so it's a family like, film, family yeah. film. Yeah. So mm. stuff like that is I think is really is really welcome. And certainly when you think of all of, I mean, the 
as you say, the, the Pinteresque sort of mood of, of the, uh, the TV show. It's like a kitchen sink drama when you watch it after that film. It just says, <laughs> the film freshens your palate. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a I mean, sorbet. Yeah. You don't so, think that Roy over, overdoes it a bit, though. Yes. There's, yeah. a, there's a point later on where I think all of his character is driven by falling over. Yes. Yeah. 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 He, he falls over into everything and, it, and then something happens, doesn't it? Like he falls over and finds the something or opens a door or is there yes. something that. Yeah. Yeah. But completely... it's falling, isn't it? That actually causes the adventure to start in the first place when he yes. falls onto the TARDIS, can, you know, the kind of gear lever. Yeah. Barbara pushed him. Oh, did she? She lunges at him for a kiss and they, they both push the gigantic industrial lever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you'd have to say that's a, a flaw in the design, isn't it? That there should be some sort of a lock or something on it. Well, the TARDIS interior is awful. It's it awful. is awful. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Just really endless kind bad. of hanging wires and cables and things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I ought to be... Uh... Oh, I thought you'd all be in here. Hello, darling. Hello. Young man, do you know what you have just done? You have transferred us in time and space, and I hadn't even set the controls. No, I don't know where we are. So one of the things about this film which is so different is the fact that it's obviously it's in colour, but it's like in... It's in every single colour, oh, isn't it? Isn't it? It's flat and incredibly colourful, and they redesigned the Daleks. Mm. It reminded me a little bit of watching The Prisoner. Oh, in yeah. In terms mm. of the sort of colour palette of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I thought it's it, it's for, it's a family film. It's going to be lots, lots of kids watching. That's good. And also, I did think that the... the I know that the interior of the TARDIS is, is as you say, <laughs> awful. <laughs> But it is sort of Cracker's inventor, isn't it? It's it's like an in, the inside of a shed on sort of steroids. It's the sort of he's the sort of person that would definitely have a little box of bits of string, and there'd be a label on the box saying these bits of string are too small to do anything with. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> I understand what you're saying as that it's it, the interior is awful, and it is awful, but it's sort of fun, I suppose, isn't it? I think if you're going to th- throw anything at this film, I suppose fun will be it. <laughs> it, is, it's it. Mu- it, is, it is fun. Yeah, it is it's fun. fun. Actually, there are some bits in it that I thought, oh, wow. So they, they did some they did some things that obviously had some money and they could produce some great big pieces of uh, weird machinery inside the, the Dalek City. And there's another little bit where that, that big rock face that uh, the little girl has to climb down to go mm. and get the drugs. That didn't sound right, did it? <laughs> well, that's what it is. That's what she had to do. And then at one point, that literally opens up and there's just a great big bright light underneath. Yes, yeah. I like that oh, as well. It was amazing. And also there was some map painting towards the end of the film that was stunning. It was a huge set, though. So the actual Dalek City was built on one side of the uh, of the studio and then the Petrified Forest was built on the other so that you know, it really felt like they were looking into the distance. Enormous. I do love the way that you see the city in the distance, which Mm. it is, and then they look through the binoculars and it's exactly the same. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I can invent a time machine, but not binoculars. Yes. It has gotten no closer. That's brilliant. 
Another sort of like moment that I thought was really nicely done was another Roy Castle moment, which was right at the beginning. And it reminded me of, it's the moment where he can't believe that the TARDIS is larger on the inside than the outside. And he has to sort of like go all the way around it and look in, look like opens the door a couple of times and all that sort of stuff. And it's one of those, isn't it, where you sort of forget sometimes how awesome that concept is mm. and how fabulous it would be to be a kid and for the first time and to go, what? It's mm. also a bit terrifying, the fact that you can go into the TARDIS and get lost in there. That's true. Yeah. There was a whole episode, wasn't there, uh, where um, the Doctor's assistant in, in, in future series gets lost in the in the TARDIS. And it's yeah. a bit like regeneration as well. It's a great plot device, isn't it? It's a bit like the yes. holodeck was on Star Trek Next oh, Generation. Yes. You know, it, it just opens up a huge number of potential storylines, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah, it does. But it, I just thought that was really nicely done. I've, I've got a, a lot of time for Roy Castle in this. Um, you do. I can feel the love. I just yeah. His acting was a bit poor, and I just thought, oh, stop it. But stop it. Just it, get back to Tarby. It's get yourself. <laughs> but it's right for this, this iteration. Yeah, it, it is. I think, you're right. It? You're right, it is. He was already known to, uh, to to American audiences, having been in a previous Amicus film called Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, where he played a jazz trumpeter, and that's why he got the the role of Ian um, because he was already you know transatlantically known. And of course, the same was true for Peter Cushing. That's why they uh, they employed him. Is that the one that's you... also got Fluff Freeman in? Yeah, they're on the train. Yeah, it's a good and it's one, got that one. Uh, Christopher Lee in it as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's the that one film. that's got my favourite line of any. <laughs> Of any of any films, which is because it's a portmanteau film, isn't it? There's four it different is. stories, and there's one about giant uh, plants, and uh, somebody says the line, "My God, a plant like that could take over the world," <laughs> <laughs> which I always thought was brilliant. What if a plant were to take the next step, and what if there were a, a mutation that could develop intelligence, the, the ability to protect itself? Perhaps even to know who its enemies were and uh, destroy them. A plant like that could take over the world. Now let's go, let's have a chat about the Daleks. So these are that was there Nick was there a redesign on these? Yeah, there was. So because they were having them in colour, they decided, you know colour film first time they were ever seen in colour actually, and of course being on the big screen, they they felt it, it might be nice to have them. Uh, with different livery, for want of a better term. So in a sense, it makes them more military, like they're wearing different uniforms, different okay. ranks, if you like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a complete redesign. It cost £4,500. What's that worth <laughs> now in today's money? Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, oh uh, £72,000. Wow! I know. Was that, I know. For that, was that for all of them? Because there's a them. lot. There's a lot. There is an all, a lot, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Whether they were all kind of, you know, quite so advanced, I don't know. But that's what they were. They're, the BBC actually borrowed them for uh, future TV series because obviously it was a lot more money than they could uh, spend on that. But yeah, it, they were completely redesigned, even down to the, the weapons that they fired. Originally, uh, they thought of having flamethrowers, but that, of course, was far too uh, far too risky. So the effects that we see where this sort of gas comes out was literally achieved by putting um, fire extinguishers inside and discharging those. Brilliant. Because in the did. TV show, it's more like electricity, isn't it? That's yes. It's like a ray of some kind. Stephen will well, know exactly what it is. It was, it was, you know, those um, pointless pincers you could get to pick up cherries. 
That's right. <laughs> they just, they just had one of those inside, yeah. and they just had these little things that came out the end, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, so there was lots of lots of, of smoke emitting from the Daleks. It made me yearn for some meme prankster to put farts in as the uh, <laughs> a, a, a gas explosion. This <laughs> way. <laughs> Did I detect a little bit of a bromance between the the black Dalek and the red Dalek yeah. when they were monologuing the uh, the plot? <laughs> so brilliant! Yeah. Isn't it? I've got <laughs> yeah. the exposition Dalek. Oh yeah. God! I've just put long ago blah 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 for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! It's so boring, yeah. isn't it? Mm. And it's it's very staccato. It's very very slow as well, isn't it? You just feel like saying, "Come on, speed it up, speed it up." Yes. Well, because they talk like that, you know. That's so you you're sort of fighting against. They're, them having quite a boring speech pattern, you mean. Mm. The yes, director I... didn't realise that the flickering lights on the top was in tandem with the speech, so they just had the lights flashing all the time, and it caused a bit of a problem when they came to dub it. <laughs> they had to change uh... the script, so whether or not that's why it sounds so terrible, because right. he had to try and get it to be in sync with the flashing lights on the top. I think we probably need to address this. I think we did in the last episode, but it's probably worth doing when we chat about the Daleks. Are Daleks robots, Stephen Murray? Under our umbrella, they're mecha. They're mecha because they've got... It's a strange, uh, weak, weak creature inside the... In fact, they describe yeah. it, don't they? They say they're inside these protective machines. Yeah, they rely on the machinery for their existence. So. Yeah. And under under the kind of the anime and Tetsujin 28 Go Menzinger Z, they are mecha, so they do come under our umbrella. Yeah. I mean, they're cyborgs, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Because they, they can't... I mean, they're shown in this to not be able to survive outside of the... Uh, protective machine. No, that was very uh, H.G. Wells. It was, mm. wasn't it? Mm. So we still don't know where they all are, the Daleks that were made for this uh, film. A lot of them were sent over to Cannes Film Festival to plug the film. Obviously, some ended up with the BBC. Some went to Australia, apparently, to, to, um, to advertise the film. John right. Lewis rebuilt part of the set in the, sh- in the store and had Daleks in there. Who are you? What do you want? Her name is Elidon. I am a Thal. I tried to speak to you in the forest just now. I'm sorry I frightened you. Shall we talk about the Thals and um, yeah. Barry Ingham's entrance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the Thals are the humanoid race who, are, 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 who exist on the planet along with the Daleks. And who are have been in conflict in the past? They think that they're not, but they are. They are really, though, aren't they? They're still in conflict. They are in the original series. They do look very Aryan, and we did discuss that. Um, they look far from Aryan in this iteration. Uh, and his entrance, his entrance is magnificent. It is. It is. As is the eye makeup. Has to be said. Start at the boots, Nick. Come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he lets himself into the TARDIS, which could never happen in future iterations because it only lets people whose DNA fits the lock into into the TARDIS. So he lets himself in and Susan turns around and looks and she obviously, their POV, starts with his pixie boots 
we see the trim of his cape, then we see his his magnificent, as the actor described them, John Wayne legs and his John Wayne gait, and then he moves up to his equally pixie-ish outfit, and then we get to the face. And I literally thought it was Natalie Portman in, in Black Swan. <laughs> and I didn't know whether he was going to announce that he was leaving the, the ballet russe and joining the... <laughs> or he was a Russian defecting ballet dancer. It's, it was magnificent. Yeah, it was. They, they, they made the Thal men shave their chests and their arms the actors who were who were playing the other thals which they were very unhappy about they didn't want to do that they felt it kind of uh, emasculated them so mm. they were paid an extra pound a day to do that <laughs> they Wonderful. weren't they weren't actors though no no they weren't they, they were weren't port- even extras they were porters they were porters they? from, yeah. from, from Covent Garden, Garden. <laughs> oh, were they <laughs> yes well even the sort of like the the main ones or were they actors? No, there was two main ones, and then the rest of them were all porters from Covent Garden. Right. They didn't seem to mind getting the makeup on, and they were quite looking forward to having the, the body makeup on by the girls. But then the girls said to them, can you shave your chest and your arms? And they thought this was, a, this was I love the makeup, darling, but the body hair, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> Come on, boys, back to the apples and oranges. The wigs are just, I mean, it's sort of like, What's the guy's name who's a politician? Michael Fabricant. Oh, God. <laughs> so Which is the material that the Wigs is made out of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Fire up Fabricant. It's sort of golden, isn't it? Like golden flaxy sort of mm. hair. Looks mm. like it needs a damn good wash. Do you know how Barry Ingram described the makeup, Nick? He said it was very Gene Shrimpton, didn't he? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought and was great. Is. So he combined himself, John Wayne meets Gene Shrimpton. Yeah. My my comment early on about the Thal is that the Thal are all all stupid pricks. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid pacifist pricks. Preening stupid pacifist pricks. So ridiculously stupid, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do, don't they? You kind of think there's no wonder, basically, that yeah, you're, you're living as you are. But then how on earth did they come up with the radiation drug? Because they just don't seem intellectually, know. you know. They're just sitting. I mean, they're sitting around looking in mirrors all the time. Yeah, they had yeah. a lot of mirrors. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Fortuitously. For, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> comes a big spoiler, a big plot point later on. And also they're sort of, like in the TV show, they're sort of very reluctant to to join the fight for their own survival, aren't they? They were very easily swayed. <laughs> they, they were, were eventually, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, Giving another fabulous opportunity for Roy Castle to fall over. <laughs> yeah. But I don't understand why. Why did they want to kill us? We came in peace. You are different from them, and they are afraid of anything different. And what people are afraid of... They try to destroy. If we could reason with them. They are beyond reason. They wish only to conquer. The film was in the top ten British films of that year. Uh, the, the top <laughs> That's film... That's not a very auspicious list, though, I can imagine. The top film was Mary Poppins. Oh, OK, fair enough. Right, so let's rate the Daleks, then, in this film. And Seven. We'll... 
once again, <laughs> once again, we're trying we're trying as best we can to sort of like to rate them in the context of the film. I suppose I liked them and I loved the colours, but mm. they were they were still irritating. Uh, they they had a little bit more agency. I, I'll I'd go with five. What is the me. agency? Because because one thing that I thought is that they it feels like there's no threats. From, I mean, they, they, is there? They they're not threatened by anything, and yet they're absolutely <laughs> crazy destructive True. because the thal aren't aren't any threat to them i found that very irritating the thal were no threat whatsoever yeah and instead of the doctor trying to create some sort of peace between the two he just turned one against the other so one race was going to be annihilated and it ended up being the daleks yeah yeah, that's yes. true, actually, yeah. Right. So, I mean... <laughs> Peter Cushing at the United Nations. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that soft exterior. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. The Liza, psychopathic <laughs> megalomania. The other thing, that I, I don't know whether, whether you'd know the answer to this, either of you, is in the story, the, the protective machines that the Daleks are inside are because of the radiation, right? Yeah. That's, that's why they need to protect machines. So on this planet, before there was radiation, were they non-robots just sort of like skipping around? Yes. Oh. Yes, they were, yeah. Because, the, of course, they've been um, mutated into the mutations that you see now when Roy picks one out of the casing and drops it on the floor in the in the cape. That's the result of radiation, is it? That, yes. Those mutations. Yes. So do we know, do we have any sense of what they were like before the radiation changed them? Oh, I don't. I don't. I always was led to believe that they were all the same race and the Daleks went one way and the Thal went the other. Okay. One, one went to creepy little toad-like creatures and the others went to blonde giants with gorgeous green eye makeup on. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... You're, did you say you were going to give them a five, Steve? Yeah, Harry? I want to give them a five. They've got, they've had a redesign. They're still vulnerable. So but, they're um, still, according to the rules of the this show, they're still shit. Yes, they're still a bit shit. Uh, Nick, any advance on five? No, I'm going to go with five as well. I think they're better than they were in the uh, the original TV series, but but still, there are lots of issues here, aren't there? There are lots of issues. You know. Yeah. So and I think I think as well, and I, again, I know that it's 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 twenty first century me talking, but I think the Daleks, I think, are, are in this are quite boring because they 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 monologue for ages. Oh, they do, yeah. And they the only the, <laughs> the only their weapon is this gas that they emit, which just is. I mean, it's like God Almighty, it's pathetic, isn't it? You sort of think <laughs> the only the only character who gets sort of done in by it is Roy, is Roy Castle. I think maybe it's what they're going for. You know when we went from alien to early end, so we went from one to we went to many. And mm. There's the scene where you first see the Daleks confront the Doctor and the camera pans back and there's loads of them yeah. surrounding the Doctor. Yeah. And I think they were trying to go for that kind of, they are now many. Yeah. Um, as a, as a kind of a race, but still ended up being like a piddly amount against a piddly amount. <laughs> so the th- there weren't many thals either. No, <laughs> they weren't. Right. Were there? <laughs> no, <laughs> and the thals were supposedly ruled by a queen. Well, yes, I think queen they were, Dio, weren't they? they? Yeah. Oh, yes, they were very much so. <laughs> we described it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they were. They were. They were. They were led by Queen Dione, played by Yvonne Antrobus. But all her lines were dubbed, so it wasn't her voice. I mean, I watched this two nights ago. This film, and I my only memory is that all of the women are looking at themselves in mirrors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I think five's all round then, is it, for the Daleks? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Can't okay. do any better than that, I'm afraid. No. They're going up. They're mm. going up, exactly. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's so lovely to see you again. Great pleasure. Thank you for having me. And for being just a right old massive Doctor Who nerd. <laughs> <laughs> So I think on that note, we shall draw a veil uh, over the Daleks in Doctor Who and the Daleks. We will be back soon. If you haven't listened to episode 44, with, uh, which is also with Nick, where we talk about the TV series, then go and have a little listen. And we will see you again next time for another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots. Goodbye. 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 Now they wish to make friends with us, offer us food. There's no reason not to believe their good intentions. We will go to the city of the Daleks in the morning.